are contributing here to uh, KBU. Well, I want to thank everyone who's listening. I want to thank all the poets scrunching around Portland trying to find venues and trying to find audiences. You know, uh, things go in so many cycles. There's so many poets around, so few places around. I probably say this every two months when I talk, but hey, one thing different about this show, well, two things different. Well, hey, the featured poets are always different, always wonderful. That doesn't change. Uh, I'm always here, for better or for worse. Uh, one difference this time, other than it being pledge break, is that I didn't read any of my poems. Hey, that's that's a master of constraint. Uh, I think I forgot to mention uh, my fine engineer, uh, producer, guardian angel, Patrick Bocard, uh, also the founders of Talking Earth, Walt Curtis and Barbara Morticella. Again, please, kboofm.com. Please give us some money. You can give a lump sum now. You might get a little t-shirt or something. You might get a book. You might just get the blessings of karma, which, hey, we can all use it as, as it's spring, and who knows what comes after this. Take care. Good night. Thank you for tuning in to KBOO Community Radio during this special programming campaign, All Thrills, No Frills, Volume 2. This February and March, you will hear different marathons and series, all brought to you by our talented programmers, including specials like Women's History Month. If you'd like to help KBOO reach our $17,000 goal by March 25th, go to kboo.fm slash give or text kboo to to the number 44321 right now. We thank you and you're welcome. This is KBOO Portland, community radio for the Pacific Northwest. Stay tuned at midnight for Self-Help Radio. Right now, it's the bedtime radio show for grown-ups, Gremlin Time. And good evening and welcome to Gremlin Time. This is Fortunato. Tonight we're going to present a radio adaptation of a classic film noir, Otto Preminger's uh, 1944 feature, Laura. And from the original cast, we've got Dana Andrews, Gene Tierney as Laura, and also Vincent Price, uh, who are reprising their roles from the movie. And this album's like a year later on the famous Lux Radio Theater. Now, uh, Clifton Webb appeared in the uh, original film as uh, the character Waldo Lidecker, the columnist, um, an opinion maker and trendsetter. Uh, here, uh, unavailable for the radio play, and so here we've got Otto Kruger as uh, Waldo Lidecker in uh, 
Lux Radio production of this great uh, mystery story. It was quite a sensation in its day. Uh, and so let's get right to it. This is the uh, Lux Radio Theater, and here it's being introduced by Lionel Barrymore. Laura. Now, most people who read a newspaper or listen to the radio know the name Paul Leidecker. Mr. Leidecker is a legendary oracle of barbed wire and forget-me-nots, whose enchanted pen and acid tongue have brought fame to hundreds and oblivion to just as many. His New York apartment is a combination art gallery and Roman bath. And now, immersed in one of his marble pools, Mr. Leidecker has a visitor, Detective Lieutenant Mark McPherson of the Homicide Bureau. Careful, will you? That stuff is priceless. Oh, Mr. Leidecker? Quite an art collection in there. Those pieces you are pawing over are irreplaceable. Nice little place you have. It's lavish. I call it home. You'll hear about the murder of Laura Hunt. I made my statement yesterday to Sergeant Detective Crane. I know. Told him what I know. Now, suppose you tell me what you know. <laughs> Why not? Uh, hand me that washcloth, Mr. McPherson. Uh, uh, how good a detective are you? I've picked up a few facts. Laura Hunt was killed the night before last. A bell rang, she opened the door, and someone pulled the trigger of a shotgun. It wasn't nice. The range was close. Have you found the shotgun? No. What else? The thought comes to me, Mr. Lidegger, who's questioning who? Uh, may I remind you that you're a guest in my home? <laughs> yeah, that's right. What else, huh? Well, Miss Hunt was a very good-looking girl, probably. About 25, lived in a swell apartment, had a maid named Bessie. And where did she get the wherewithal to support such a menage? Bullet company, advertising agency. She had a good job, art director or something. Uh, not or something. She has a lady cousin in town and a couple of boyfriends. One named Shelby Carpenter and the other is Paul Lidecker. Mm. Today is Sunday. Why haven't you tried to see me? Because it's a peculiar case and I wanted to think. Mm. If you'll wait, I'll go with you when you leave. Why? Murder's my favorite crime. My radio audience loves it. I know you'll visit all your suspects, and I'd like to study their reactions. You're on the list yourself, you know. <laughs> Be insulted if I weren't. Were you in love with Laura Hunt, Mr. Leidecker? Was she in love with you? Laura considered me the wisest, the wittiest, the most interesting man she'd ever met. I was in complete accord with her on that point. Oh. Now, uh, if you'll excuse me, I'll get dressed. Oh, uh, uh, where shall we be stopping first, Lieutenant? I'd like to see Laura Hunt's cousin. Uh, Mrs. Ann Treadwell, yes, yes, of course. A few questions, Mrs. Treadwell. I'll do anything I can to help. Oh, good morning, Paul. Good morning, huh? You were fond of your cousin, Mrs. Treadwell? I adored Laura. Paul can tell you. Yeah, I can tell you considerable. Did you approve of Miss Hunt's coming marriage to Mr. Carpenter? <laughs> Why shouldn't I approve? I don't know. Uh, just what does Shelby Carpenter mean to you, Mrs. Treadwell? To me? Well, he comes here regularly. Is he a friend, acquaintance? Or are you in love with him? Oh, this is beginning to assume fabulous aspects. What are you driving at? The truth. Are you in love with him? Why, no. I, I'm very fond of Shelby, of course. Everybody is. I despise him. You've been withdrawing a lot of cash from your bank, Mrs. Treadwell. Fifteen hundred at a clip. Seventeen hundred... I a... needed that money. Mm -hmm. The day you took out fifteen hundred, Carpenter deposited thirteen hundred fifty. When you withdrew seventeen, he deposited fifteen. Shooting craps, Anne? Oh, must I be insulted like this? 
Shelby needed some money. I lent it to him. I supposed I could do with it as I pleased. Sure, sure. Now, on Friday night, you were home alone. Why didn't you go to the concert with Mr. Carpenter? Concert? Like, I didn't go because he didn't ask me. Well, hello. Oh, just talking about you, Carpenter. What a coincidence to find you here. This is Lieutenant McPherson. Yes, we've met. I didn't know you were here, Mr. Carpenter. I've been lying down. My hotel room is so hot, and then all the reporters and the telephone. You know how it is, Lieutenant. I've... I've hardly slept a wink since it happened. Is that a sign of guilt or innocence, McPherson? I'm as eager to find the murderer as you are, Lieutenant. Laura and I were going to be married this week, you know. No, he doesn't know, and neither do I, nor you, nor anyone else. Oh? Well, Laura had not definitely made up her mind to marry him. She told me so herself. She was going to the country to think it over. Laura was extremely kind, but she'd never have thrown her life away on a male beauty in distress. I suppose you've heard losers whine before, eh, Lieutenant? Yesterday you said you went to that concert Friday night. Mr. Carpenter, what did they play? Oh, some Brahms and Beethoven's Knack. Mm-hmm. Well, this place Miss Hunt had in the country, have you got a key to it? No, but I think there's one in her apartment. Well, I'll have a look. And perhaps I could help you? Okay, come along. Goodbye, Mr. Treadwell. You can start looking for that key now, Mr. Carpenter. Oh, yes, yes. I'll try the den. Excuse me. That's the dame's portrait on the wall, isn't it? Will you stop calling Laura a dame? Look at the furnishings. Would you call this the home of a dame? Look at her portrait. I am. Not bad. It was painted by Joseph Carter. He was in love with her then. Have you ever been in love, McPherson? A doll in Washington Heights once got a fox fur out of me. Have you ever known a woman who wasn't a doll or a dame? Yeah, one, but she kept walking me past furniture stores. Uh, where are you going? Phonograph has a record on here. Selections from Bittersweet. One of Laura's favorites. Not exactly classical, but very nice. You know a lot about music? I don't know a lot about anything, but I know a little about practically everything. Then why did you say they played Brahms and Beethoven at that concert? They played nothing but Sibelius. Did they? Well, to be perfectly honest, I fell asleep and I didn't hear a note. <laughs> I know it sounds phony, but I'm just a natural-born suspect. You see, I'm not the conventional type. Don't worry, I fall asleep at concerts myself. Find that key? No, maybe it's in here in her desk. <laughs> uh, yes, yes it is. I, I knew there must be one around somewhere. Mm, it's funny, the police looked in that desk drawer yesterday and the drawer was empty. You had the key right along, didn't you, Carpenter? Yes. I didn't want to give it to you while Lydecker was present. I have private reasons that don't concern him. You have private reasons, no doubt, to lie about that key. Paul, I'm warning you to stop implying I had anything to do with Laura's death. Very well, I'll stop implying. I'll make a direct statement. You asked for this, Paul. Get you... it out, the two of you. Okay, we came here to find the key, and I've got the key. Now, let's get out. There's nothing more you want from me? No, not now. <laughs> I'll, I'll run along, then. You, uh, having lunch, Lieutenant? I guess so. There's, uh, rather a superior restaurant nearby. Okay, let's go. Nice, quiet little place, Mr. Lidecker. Yeah. What's the matter? You, uh, wouldn't call me a sentimental person, would you, Lieutenant? Well, I... Dozens of times we sat here at this very table, Laura and I. How long did you know her? Nearly five years. I was just thinking, we're here, we're eating lunch, and it was at lunch that I first met Laura. Algonquin Hotel. I was alone. I looked up and I found her standing in front of me. She had a layout in her hand. Sample and work. Mr. Lidecker, how do you do? I'm Laura Hunt. 
Well? I'd like to talk something over with you, if I may. I am eating my lunch. Yes, but it's practically impossible to get to see you, and I Either thought... you're from some incredibly remote community where good manners are unknown, or you suffer from a common delusion that being a female exempts you from all the rules of civilized conduct. Possibly, but I wanted to show this to you. It's an ad for the Wallace Flow Wright pen. You're such a famous writer and commentator. It would be tremendously helpful if you'd endorse what we say about the Flowrite pen. I don't use a pen. I write with a goose quill dipped in poison. And you may tell your employer that... Oh, I'm they don't know person. anything about this. It was all my idea. They'd give anything to get your endorsement. And if I were the person getting it, why... You disregard completely something far more important to me than your career. Oh? My food. You mean that, don't you? Well, of course, I mean. I never heard of anything so selfish. In my case, self-absorption is completely justified. I have never discovered any subject quite so worthy of my attention. But in your column, on the radio, the things you say, they're filled with such understanding, such sentiment. Miss Hunt, you are beginning to bore me. You're a poor man, Mr. Lardecker. I feel very sorry for you. Goodbye. Hunt occurred about two hours later. Kept after you, did she? No, I went to her because I couldn't stop thinking about her. I was more than slightly annoyed, but she had something, that girl. Something far deeper than good looks. I went to Bulletin Company, proceeded to do something I have carefully avoided since the age of two. I apologize. Laura looked at me. It was very nice of you to go to all this trouble. Goodbye. Uh, in a moment, uh, Miss Hunt... Uh, for reasons which are too embarrassing to mention, I'd like to endorse the Wallace Flowrite pen. Have you an ad? You're a very strange man. Now I'm sure you're sorry for the way you acted. Let's not get psychiatric. But in a word, yes. And you are a very kind person. No, I'm vicious. The real secret of all my charm. But uh, if you think me kind, I'll call for you here at six. What? We'll have dinner together. I can't make it any later. Will you be ready? Why, why, yes, I'll be ready. Okay, Mr. Lidecker. Thanks. I started then to help Laura. I did everything in the world for her. I am a man reputedly of overwhelming ego, but this I admit without reserve. It was Laura's own talent, her own incredible charm that enabled her to rise to the top of her profession. Through me, Laura met everyone, famous and the infamous, and deferring always to my taste and judgment, she captivated them all. She became as well-known as my walking stick in White Carnation. Like them, she was always with me. When does Carpenter enter the picture? Well, men couldn't keep away from Laura, but she never regarded them seriously but me. Her own discrimination ruled them out, and I never had to intercede. She met uh, Carpenter one night at a party at Aunt Treadwell's. She became attracted to him instantly. I was shocked. As a fellow completely without talent, with as much depth of character as a saucer of stale gin... Shortly before I took Laura home, I overheard her talking with Carpenter on the terrace. And so I spend my time doing what I've always done, nothing. <laughs> then tell me, what does it feel like living on the income from an estate? Oh, I once knew what it felt like, but the sheriff interfered with that over ten years ago. Then why don't you work for a living? Oh, I did ask a friend for a job once. All he did was laugh. He thought I was joking. Weren't you? No. When he saw I was sincere, he just got embarrassed. He said he'd phone me. That was months ago. Do you really want a job? Yes, I do. Then you've got one. What? Now you think I'm joking. Well, I'm not. You just be at Bulletin Company tomorrow morning. You're going to work, Mr. Carpenter. 
So in time, they got engaged, huh? They became attached to each other very quickly. I concealed my annoyance with masterly self-control, but here was a situation, however ridiculous, that required my attention. As you will see, it was for Laura's own good. Well, I followed them one night to this very restaurant. They had been working late on some advertising campaigns. Tell me the truth, Laura. Really make people brush their teeth more often. <laughs> the idea is wonderful, Shelby. And so are the layouts. By the way, who's the model you use? You don't remember? Well, you hired her yourself, Diana Redford. Oh, of course. Laura, you look wonderful. Well, that's a quick switch of subject. Oh, I like this one much better than toothpaste. Good. Could you have dinner with me tomorrow night just like this? Maybe. And what about the night after that? Well, Shelby, I can't just... What about three weeks from tonight and all the nights in between? Don't you think I have any other engagement? What about two months from now and the month after that? And what about next year? Then it's all settled. What about breakfast? What about lunch? Beautiful lunches, day after day. And what about beautiful work? Day after day. Why, Miss Hunt, the way you talk, you'd think I was in love with you. Sparkling bit of dialogue, wasn't it, Lieutenant McPherson? If they'd known you were listening, they might have snapped it up a bit. Laura knew that I had overheard them because I told her so the following evening. By then, I had some other information to tell her also. I don't care what you found out about Shelby. It's the snooping about, Paul. It's degrading. Of course, but I thought you'd want to know. That sterling character almost went to jail last year for passing rubber checks. And after that, in Virginia, he was suspected of stealing his hostess's jewelry. Those are only insinuations. I know his fault. A man can change, can't he? Oh, Laura, for heaven's sake, open your eyes. So Carpenter has changed. Yes, he's changed from you to do Diana Redfern. Running around with her now. A model from your own office. Paul, how can you be so despicable? You know what you mean to me. How can you try so deliberately to hurt me? Hurt you? Paul, Shelby and I are going to be married next week. Ah. Oh. You gave him a cigarette case on his birthday, didn't you? A valuable case? Where did you get it? From the pawn shop where Diana Redfern took it after he gave it to her. I don't believe it. He probably needed money and was too proud to borrow. Perhaps that's why this pawn ticket is in her name. I won't let this go any further. I'm going to telephone him. You won't find him at his hotel. Tonight, Carpenter's deserted both you and Miss Redfern. He's dining with a young and wealthy widow. Someone you know. Your cousin. He's been treating her rather badly these days. I'll phone Anne at once. Really, my dear, you don't think that Anne would give, give him away, do you? Oh, it's nasty, I know it, but I must make you realize. Now, suppose we visit Cousin Anne, hmm? He won't be there. I know he won't. Oh, good evening, Miss Laura. Good evening, Mr. Lidecker. Hello, Margaret. Oh, I I'm terribly sorry, but Mrs. Treadwell isn't at home. Satisfied, Paul? Well, suppose we just wait for her. Oh, please, Mr. Lidecker. Uh, come in, Laura. Why, Laura, dear, and Paul, we were just having dinner. Yes, I know. Laura, I, I didn't expect to see you tonight. There you are, Laura, in a moment of supreme disaster. He's trite. I was just telling Anne about our getting married. Well, sit down, you two. Oh, no. No, thanks. I just stopped by to give you this. Your cigarette case. You must have misplaced it somewhere. Laura. Laura, wait a minute. I... Good night, Anne. Good night, Shelby. What was this episode of the cigarette case, Mr. Lidegger? Last Wednesday night. On Friday, Laura had lunch with a Redfern girl. I wish I'd been there. And as I said in my statement, Laura and I were to have had dinner that night. At 7 o'clock, my phone rang. I had a sudden sensation of depression, a foreboding of disaster. Hello? 
Paul, I'm frightfully sorry, but I just can't meet you. Well, there's nothing wrong, Laura. I mean, you're not ill. Oh, no, no. I've just decided to go to the country for a few days. What, in this storm? Why, it's pouring. It won't last, Paul. It will do me a lot of good to be alone. Oh, you're thinking about Carpenter, huh? Of course. Mm. Please, I simply must have time to think this out for myself. Uh, when will you be back, dear? I don't know. I'll call before I leave. Maybe you could meet me. Well, of course I will. Thank you, Paul. Goodbye. Goodbye, my dear. That was the last time I ever heard her voice. This, this red fun girl, where does she live? In Newark. She's in the phone book. I will never forgive myself for allowing Laura to become involved with Carpenter. That was my fault. I should have stopped it long ago, somehow. And she's dead now. It's too late even to think about it. Well, so long. Yeah, too late even to think about it. Uh, oh, uh, uh, goodbye, Lieutenant. You're listening to Gremlin Time here on Community Radio, KBOO Portland, and we are presenting the uh, 1945 Lux Radio Theater adaptation of the Otto Preminger movie, Laura. We'll be back with Act 2 coming up here. But first, I want to remind folks that you're, this is listener-supported community radio for the Northwest, and we can only stay on the air and present shows like Gremlin Time and Self-Help Radio and The Talking Earth uh, only with your support. So if you like what you hear, go to kboo.fm slash give and uh, become a member of uh, KBU. It's easy, it's quick, it's painless, and all the cool kids are doing it. So if you like what you hear at the um, Farmer's Market of Radio, uh, go to kboo.fm slash give, and uh, you can become a member today. Let's get back to the Lux Radio Theater, hosted this week by Lionel Barrymore. Actual Laura, starring Gene Tierney as Laura, Dana Andrews as Mark McPherson, Vincent Price as Shelby Carpenter, and Otto Kruger as Leidecker. It's an hour later. In front of Laura Hunt's apartment, Lieutenant Detective Mark McPherson picks up Sergeant Crane. Together they make another thorough search of the girls' rules. Two things interest McPherson. A pile of Laura's letters and a bottle of Scotch whiskey. If you're thirsty, Lieutenant, I think you can do better than that there. I'm not thirsty. When did you say that maid was due here? Any minute now. Say, where's McCavity? In the basement. I've had the telephone tapped. He's sitting on it. But who's going to use the phone besides us? Nobody I know of. Still a good idea. I'm making a call now myself. Go down in the basement and relieve Mac. I'll wait here for the maid. Carpenter's coming, too. Okay. Hello. Moscones? This is Lieutenant McPherson, Homicide Bureau. Laura Hunt's been buying liquor from you, hasn't she? Yeah. Did she ever buy a brand of scotch called Black Pony? You sure of that? Okay, thanks. Oh, come on in, Miss Clary. Never mind that Miss Clary stuff. My name's Bessie. Have a chair. It seems to me you... Those letters! Those letters belong to her! Yeah. You've been reading her private letters. I said sit down. Cops. I was brought up to spit whenever I saw one. <laughs> okay, go ahead and spit if that'll make you feel any better. What do you want to find out? Who killed Laura Hunt? How would I know? You think I'd done it? Ask anyone. Anyone who ever came here. 
Why, I'd have worked for her, scrubbed for her, done anything she would have wanted of me. Pay or no pay. You're loyal, Bessie. Wasn't only on account of the wonderful things she'd done for me. It was because she was so wonderful herself. Miss Hunt was a real lady. Something cops wouldn't know about. How'd this bottle get into her cabinet? I put it there. It's cheap scotch, Bessie. Laura Hunt wouldn't buy a cheap scotch. I found it on a kitchen shelf Saturday morning. You know what that means? It means that somebody brought it here Friday night. And that somebody was here with her Friday night. Now, who was it? I don't know. But I didn't want anybody to get any wrong idea about her. God rest her soul. That's why I put the bottle in a liquor cabinet. I done more than that. There were two glasses. I washed them out and cleaned off the bottle, too. Destroying evidence, Bessie. I don't care. I'll do anything to keep her name from being dragged through the mud. Relax. Bessie, I'd like some ice and a setup. You mind? I'll get it. A couple of highball glasses. I'm expecting somebody. More cops. No, Shelby Carpenter. Let him in and then get the glasses. The door's open, Lieutenant. Come in. I didn't expect you, Mrs. Treadwell. Oh, are you either, Mr. Lydecker? Shelby's dropping me at the hairdresser later. I only sent for you, Carpenter. I know. So I thought I might as well come along. Yes, my excuse is equally feeble. I just dropped in to inquire as to the state of your health, Lieutenant. Insipid, I trust? He's about to have a drink. Oh, Bessie, two more glasses. Yes, sir. Hello, Bessie. What are you doing here? I'm paid up for the week, and I'm working regardless. Scotch, Slidecker? Excellent. Will this do? It's Black Pony. I'm a guest here. It'll have to do. Here's the ice and the glasses. <laughs> you can skip mine, Lieutenant. I'm not much of a daytime drinker. Oh? Well, that'll be all, Bessie. You can go home now. But I... Yes, sir. I'll go. Thank you. I remember when Laura bought these glasses. She loved them. She loved all her things so. What are you going to do, sell them? I suppose so, if I'm appointed administrator. I'll probably call in Corey. Corey, the art dealer? Yes, he can dispose of everything. It'll be less... less gruesome that way. Uh, not quite everything, Anne. There are two or three things that belong to me. That vase, for instance, the antique fire screen, and, of course, the clock. That's quite a hunk of clock. You've got one just like it, haven't you? I noticed it in your apartment. They were made 200 years ago by Corbet Feast. Two clocks exactly the same, created at the order of the Prince of Wales. I lent one to Laura. Oh, really, Paul? Yes, really. But the vase is the gem of my collection, and I intend to have it back. I can take it with me now. Nothing's leaving here, Lidecker. Only you. Oh, is that your quaint way of indicating dismissal? Well, we're all leaving. I've got to get back to headquarters. Oh, but I don't understand, Lieutenant. I, I thought you sent for me. I did. Well, don't you want to ask me any questions? Nothing pressing. Oh, I see. Well, I bid you goodbye. The vase, Mr. Lidecker. Put it down. Oh, oh, of course. Just a slight touch of kleptomania. Crane? Yeah? McPherson, I'm back. Upstairs in our apartment. How you doing in the basement? Any calls come in this afternoon? Not a thing. I've just been looking the place over. I've only done it 40 times. Anything interesting? Everything's interesting. Especially that portrait. A really beautiful doll, Lieutenant. Yeah. I've read her letters, smelled the perfume, drank her scotch, gone through her wardrobe. Wait a minute. Yeah? Someone in the hall. Look, at 7 o'clock, Alford will be along to relieve you. Make sure Alford keeps his ear on that phone. Right. Oh, who is it? Yes. Coming, Lidecker. You just happened to be passing by. And I noticed the lights on. Uh, by the way, have you sublet this apartment, McPherson? You're here often enough to pay rent. Any objection? Yes. Especially to your prying into Laura's letters. That bundle in your pocket, for instance. No, these. They're yours. The best of the bunch. That's the trouble with getting murdered, Lidecker. It ruins your privacy. And have detectives who buy portraits of murdered victims a claim to privacy? 
Lancaster Corey tells me you already put in a bid for Laura's portrait. That's none of your business. McPherson, did it ever strike you that you're acting very strangely? It's a wonder that you don't come here with roses and a box of drugstore candy. Have you been dreaming of Laura as your wife? By your side at the policeman's ball or in the bleachers? Or listening to the heroic saga of how you acquired a silver shin bone in a gun battle with a gangster? Yeah, I see you have. Why don't you go home? I'm busy. Well, perhaps we can come to terms now, huh? You want a portrait? Perfectly understandable. I want my positions, my vase, my clock, my fire screen. Now, if you... Get going. You better watch out, Lieutenant. You'll end up in the psychiatric ward. I don't think they've ever had a patient who fell in love with a beautiful girl who died before he met her. Or did you meet her? Well, good night, McPherson. Roses and a box of drugstore candy. Have you been dreaming of Laura as your wife? Yes, I can say you have. You better watch out, Lieutenant. You'll wind up in the psychiatric ward. I don't think that the What's the matter with me? Maybe you can tell me. You, the girl in that portrait there. You're beautiful. The most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Somebody killed you. Why? Why? I could sit here and look at you all night. All night long, I could sit here. Who is it? Who's in there? You. You. What are you doing there? You're alive. If you don't get out once, I'll call the police. You're Laura Hunt, aren't you? Aren't you? I'm going to call the police. But I am the police, you see. My badge, credentials, Mark McPherson. What's all this about? You don't know? Don't you know what's happened? No. Haven't you seen a paper? Where have you been? In the country. I... I don't get a newspaper. Haven't you got a radio? It was broken. What? Here. Look at these headlines. And sit down, Miss Hunt. I'm very glad to see you. On Friday night, somebody was murdered in this room. What? What did you say? Until you opened that door just now, we thought it was you. Now, do you have any idea who it could have been? You don't know. A girl died from shotgun wounds, close range. No, apparently we don't know. Who had a key to this apartment? Nobody except my maid. And... When did you say it happened? Friday night. You better take off that coat. It's dripping wet. When did it start raining? Just a few minutes ago. It's teeny outside. It was raining Friday night, too, when that girl... Wait a minute. Raining. Now come with me, Miss Hunt. Here, into your room. I want you to please look in your closet. I simply don't understand. The closet, Miss Hunt. Here, open it up. Do all these dresses belong to you? Certainly they belong to me. All of them? Everyone? Are you out of your mind? Of course they... What's this one? I don't know. You tell me. Why, this dress isn't mine. It's hers. Diana Redfern's. She had it on when she came for lunch on Friday. Well. But this dress wasn't in here when I left. It wasn't. This Redfern girl, is she a girl about your size? Yes, she's a model. She works for us. Yes, and she lives in Newark, but she hasn't been home. Her landlady said she'd gone to Philadelphia. That's right. We have a branch office in Philadelphia. She had an assignment there, but she didn't go. It was postponed. She got relatives in the city? An aunt and uncle. The same name. They live in the village. Thanks. Where are you going? Just to the telephone, Miss Hunt. I think Miss Redfern's aunt and uncle had better go to the morgue right away to make an identification. Identification? Oh. Right. So long, Inspector. 
Well, that's that, Miss Hunt. They've located the red ferns. Yes, we ought to know soon. Now, Miss Hunt, when you went to the country Friday, did you see anyone you knew on the train? No. Then what? I got off at Norwalk. I keep a car in a private garage near the station. I drove to my house. It's about 18 miles. What did you do in the country? Worked in my garden. Didn't leave your place in all that time? I keep everything I need in the house. I went there expressly to be alone. Mm-hmm. You were going to marry Shelby Carpenter this week. Yes. But you went away for a long weekend to be alone. You know Shelby Carpenter has a key to this apartment. Why didn't you tell me? Because I know nothing of the sort. He hasn't. How else did the Redfern girl get into the apartment? You knew she was in love with Carpenter. I knew she was in love with him. She told me so herself. But I also know that she meant nothing to Shelby. I understand him better than you do. She was found, and I'm convinced now it was Miss Redfern... She was found in your dressing gown. What of it? You yourselves told me it was raining Friday night. You yourself just saw her dress. It's full of wrinkles and rain spots. Now how did she get in here? Why? Who brought her here? I haven't the slightest idea. Now look, Miss Hunt, do you love this carpenter fellow so much you'd risk your own safety to protect him? He must have brought her here. You suspect me. You think I killed somebody in jealousy. I'm trying to get at the truth. I'm sorry. Strictly routine. Well, I'll uh, see you in the morning, Miss Hunt. Meanwhile... Don't leave this apartment and don't use the telephone. But I've got to use it. I've got to let my friends know I'm alive. I'm sorry, but I must insist. If anything should happen to you now, I I wouldn't like it. All right, I promise. There's one more thing. I know that you went away to make up your mind whether you'd marry Shelby Carpenter or or not. What did you decide? I, I decided not to marry him. Well, uh, I'll be seeing you in the morning, Miss Hunt. Good night. Good night. Good night. Alford? That you, Mark? Yeah. Watch your step. It's pretty dark down here. Anything come through those earphones? Yeah. The morgue just called. Is the Redfern girl all right? Well, it kind of balls things up, doesn't it? Yeah. Say, you seem pretty... Hey, wait a minute. She's dialing a number up there. Give me those earphones. Yeah. Hello? Shelby, this is Laura. I just... Laura. I must tell you... Don't I... say anything on the telephone. Meet me right away in front of the office. Can you leave? Right away. Was that... Yeah. Dames are always pulling a switch on you. You stay here, Alford. McCavity out front? Yeah. Get headquarters. Tell him to send another man down here right away. McCavity's going to tail the girl. What about you? I think I'll stick by Mr. Carpenter. I'll see you. This evening on Gremlin Time, we are presenting uh, Laura from the uh, Lux Radio Theater's uh, presentation from 1945. Featuring members of the original cast, we've got Dana Andrews uh, reprising his role as the young detective, Gene Tierney as Laura, the uh, woman he thought was dead that he was falling in love with, and Vincent Price here as the, uh, the jilted boyfriend. Also in the cast is uh, Otto Kruger sitting in for Clifton Webb, who had the role of Waldo Lidecker in the original film. Now, the film is adapted from a pretty um, uh, popular novel, also called Laura, by uh, Vera Kaspari. Now, the original film was adapted from the novel uh, Laura by uh, Vera Kaspari, and she was, like, involved in trying to get a script written, but it's another one of these cases where the, you know, the written word and the movie just kind of don't fit well, and a lot of changes had to be made. Um, one change is the uh, that Preminger, who was interested in making the movie, and eventually did make the movie, uh, he changed the uh, character of... Uh, uh, Waldo Lidecker. He he expanded it more than it was in the novel, and then uh, he was very hot on bringing in Clifton Webb as the uh, as Lidecker, and so uh, 
He clashed with uh, Daryl Zanuck at 20th Century Fox over this. And so in the first sort of go around, the movie didn't get made. And then since it was during the war, um, uh, Zanuck, along with a couple other filmmakers like, you know, like Ford and George Stevens and Frank Capra, they uh, went into the service. And so by the time he came out, uh, Preminger had sort of remounted the film and had gotten a different script made and was ready to go. But then Zanuck didn't like Preminger, and so he put somebody else in as director. And then it turned out that that was really, really wasn't working well, and the movie wasn't quite coming together. And so Zanuck had to realize that he just had the wrong take on it, and he needed to lend Preminger. As much as he didn't like him, he had to admit that he knew what he was doing, and he went ahead with the film. Uh, the cinematography got an Oscar that year, but the, the film was also nominated for a few others at that time. Very popular, that's led to this uh, radio adaptation about a year later. Also, uh, the song Laura, which we've got playing in the background, um, was just an instrumental that was included in the film. But uh, it was so popular that later uh, lyrics were written for it, and it's become a jazz standard uh, since then. So let's get back to the Lux Radio Theater. I think it's from February of uh, 1945. And our host, Lionel Barrymore. Now here's Act 3 of Laura, starring Dana Andrews as Mark, Gene Tierney as Laura, Vincent Price as Shelby Carpenter, and Otto Kruger as Lydica. <laughs> three hours, Detective Lieutenant McPherson has been following Shelby Carpenter. Now in the black hours of night, he stops his car near a lonely house 18 miles from Norwalk and makes his way carefully toward the front door. It's not quite shut. He peers through the crack for a moment and then walks in. What? What are you doing with that shotgun, Carpenter? Well, I must admit this is somewhat embarrassing, Lieutenant. Let me see that gun been fired recently. Yes, I killed some rabbits with it. When? Oh, a while back. I don't know exactly. I gave the gun to Laura for protection. You haven't borrowed it lately. You didn't just bring it back. Now you ought to know. You've been following me. You realize the spot you're in? You brought Diana Redfern to Laura's apartment. You knew all along it was she who was murdered. Didn't you know Laura would come back any day and spill the whole thing? Or did you plan to kill her, too? Are oh, you being fantastic, McPherson? You took a bottle of Black Pony to her house Friday night. I took it there over a week ago. Bessie says Friday night. I can't help what Bessie says. Where's the key to Laura's apartment? I haven't got one. I never had one. Okay, you didn't bring the scotch there Friday night. You never had a key. How did you get in? Well, I... Come on, talk. Talk? Oh, all right. You see, Laura kept an extra key in her office. I'd asked Diana to meet me in a restaurant. I, I wanted to have it out with her once and for all. You know, she thought... Well, she thought she was in love with me. She started to get hysterical. We had to leave. Well, I couldn't very well take her to her room in Newark, could I? Or to my hotel room. So we started to walk. It began to rain suddenly, and we got drenched. I thought of the key, and I stopped by the office to get it. We couldn't find a taxi, and so we walked back to Laura's apartment. Yeah. Diana went to Laura's bedroom. When she came out, she had on a dressing gown. Well, we talked, argued maybe, for a couple of hours, and, and then the doorbell rang. Why didn't you go to the door? I suppose one of Laura's friends had found me there. What would they think of finding Diana there? I told her to say that Laura had lent her the apartment. Anybody who knew Laura would have believed that. Don't stop. Well, I heard Diana open the door and... 
Then there was an awful explosion. By the time I reached it, the door was shut again. Diana just lay there on the floor. Didn't you go out to see who did it? I was too confused, too horrified to do anything. The hallway was dark. I I don't remember what I did. I knew I had to keep out of it and keep Laura out of it, too. The only thing on my mind was the safety of a person whose life was dearer to me than my own. Don't you understand that? Did you think Laura had killed her? Did you? I don't remember what I thought. Do you think so now? No. On Saturday, when Detective Crane went to see you, you seemed sincerely shocked. I was. I hadn't expected the police to mistake Diana's body for Laura's. But your alibi was already the concert. You knew the minute Laura got back to town, it wouldn't stick. I couldn't think that far ahead. I was groping for some way to keep Laura's name out of it. I was heartbroken about Diana and panic-stricken about Laura. Okay. And tonight, you met Laura in front of her office. What did you talk about? About what I've just told you. Well, what are you turning on the radio for? This year, if it works... Why don't you tell her the truth? She sent you here to get rid of that gun. She doesn't even know I came here. It was my own idea. The radio works fine, doesn't it? Why wouldn't it? I hoped it wouldn't. All right. We're driving back to New York. Well, am I under arrest? I don't know. Just don't leave town. It would be a very foolish thing to do. Oh. Good morning, Lieutenant. Good morning. You know, I have a terrific yen to call you Laura. Why don't you forget that lieutenant business and just call me Mark? Because Especially I... since I brought you all these groceries. Breakfast. You didn't buy any food when you went out last night. So you know. Yeah. I can fix bacon and eggs. Can you make coffee? Oh, I uh, spoke to Bessie. She'll be a little late. When I told her you were alive, she darn near passed out. Yes, she phoned. You might have been a little more delicate about it. Suppose you set the table, but we'll have to wait a little while for the coffee. I've asked Paul Lidegger to stop by. Did you tell him about me, that I'm alive? No. Why not? It's brutal. I'm not doing it for laughs. Why did you break your promise last night? Not to go out? Because I'll never be bound to do anything unless it's of my own free will. The Redfern girl was in love with Carpenter. You admitted that. I also told you he wasn't in love with her. Paul? I don't know. Just sit still in here. Hello, Lieutenant. Laura? Oh, good morning, darling. Hello, dear. Well, excuse me, Lieutenant. I'd like to kiss my fiancé good morning. Oh, so it's on again. Well, do I have to get a police permit? Well, now who? Come in, Lidecker. The door's unlatched. Lidecker, huh? right on my heels. Well, McPherson, have you thought over the deal I suggested? What about the portrait and the... Why? What? Paul! Laura. I'll be all right in a moment. Laura, what? Not now, dear. Don't try to talk now. Come on, I'll take him into the bedroom. Just be quiet, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. How is he? He'll be all right. He's lying down. This is going just a little too far, McPherson. Your methods are vicious. Must have been a terrible shock to him, seeing me. Poor darling. Don't tell me you're in love with Lidecker, too. Stop talking that way to Miss Hunt. Laura, why do you cover up for a guy like Carpenter? What story did he tell you when you met him last night? Don't answer him, darling. Shut up. I've got enough on you, Carpenter, to arrest you right now. Break me first in the handcuffs. Trundle him off to the hooskar. Oh. I hope you'll forget my weak touch of angina, my dear. It's an old family custom. Uh, did I interrupt a pinch, McPherson? I've changed my mind for the moment. Well, in that case, better order some food and liquor, Laura. People are coming to celebrate your return this afternoon. A cocktail party. Who asked them? I did. 
in the quiet of your boudoir just now. I called my man, and he's calling all our dear friends. Why did you do that? Well, perhaps our friends can weave all the loose ends into a noose. Eh, McPherson? You shouldn't have gone to all that trouble, Mr. Lidecker. I'd already called him. Well, I'll run along now, Laura. Sorry about the breakfast. Some other time, maybe. Shelby... Shelby, come here. What's the matter, darling? Your party's a huge success. Shelby, tell me. I must know. Why did you go to the country last night? Laura. Well? You don't know? I was afraid you wouldn't think of hiding that shotgun. What shotgun? The one I gave you. Oh, darling, you don't have to lie to me. Well, what's going on here? Oh, nothing at all, Anne. In case you don't know it, that McPherson man hasn't taken his eyes off you. I know. Maybe it would be better if I, well, mingled with our guests. Laura... McPherson suspects him, Shelby. He suspects me, too. Oh, don't be absurd. You could never have done a thing like that. Darling. Yes. Are you as interested in Lieutenant McPherson as he is in you? Anne, I only met him last night. Sometimes that's more than long enough. Anyway, he's better for you than Shelby. Anybody is. Shelby's better for me. Why? Because I can afford him. He's no good, but he's what I... Wait a minute. He's coming. Mark. Oh, Mark, is it? I'm sorry to break up your party, Laura. But you haven't. You've been a model guest so far. I'm not joking. Get on your things. I'm taking you to headquarters. I was going to get a cell and a denim dress. Is this your office? Before they trot out that denim dress, I want to know what you why you've been holding out on me. Have I been? You told me the radio at your country place was broken. It was. Not last night. I stopped in the village on my way back. I asked the local handyman to fix it. And how did he get in? With a key. The key I always leave under the flower pot on the porch. All right, I'll accept that. Why? Because you're too intelligent to make up a story I could check so easily. The main thing I want to know is why you pulled that switch about Shelby Carpenter. You told me last night you decided not to marry him. But today it was on again. Why? I changed my mind. What went on between you and Carpenter when you met him last night? Or should I guess... He convinced you that if you broke your engagement now, people would think you believed that he killed Diana Redford. Yes, but now I know the real reason why he wanted to stay engaged. He thinks I did. So do you. Are you in love with him? No, I don't know how I ever could have been. Come on, Laura, you're going home. But I thought I was... That's what I wanted you to think. You and a few other people. I didn't even book you. And all this was just some sort of a game. I was 99% certain about you, but I just had to make sure of that 1% doubt. Wasn't there an easier way to make sure? You're, you're smiling. You're not sore? No, Mark. I'm not sore. Go back to your party if there's anything left of it. And you? I'm going to Lydecker's apartment. I'll drop by later on. I'm glad they've all gone, Laura. It's been a long time since we've been together. Well, darling, what's the matter? Nothing, Paul. You're worried. Yes, McPherson. He's using you for something. I don't think so. I don't deny he's infatuated with you in some warped fashion, but he's incapable of any normal human relationship. He's been dealing too long with criminals. When you were attainable, unattainable, and he thought you were dead, that's when he wanted you most. Fell in love with your portrait. He was glad when I came back, as if you were waiting for me. You know what he calls women? Dames. A dame in Washington Heights once got a fox fur coat out of it. That's his very word. That doesn't mean anything, Paul. He isn't like that. Laura, my dear, you have one glaring weakness. With you, a lean, strong body is always the measure of a man. And you always get hurt. 
No man is ever going to hurt me again. No, not even you. I? Hurt you? What? Laura, look at me. You were a long time finding out about Shelby. But that's all over now. We'll be together again. Wait, the door just opened. Don't get up. Don't let me. Oh, haven't you heard of science's latest triumph, the doorbell? I'm glad you're here, Lidecker. I've just been to your apartment. Uh, do you mind if I should search your pockets? I found a shotgun. Oh. But I wasted my time. It wasn't the gun that killed Diana Redburn. First he tell you he thinks you're innocent, and then he proceeds to check up on you. I never said you're innocent. Me? I'm talking about a lot. My dear, this entire maneuver could be a trick to throw you off guard. It could be, but it isn't. I know. I believe you, Mark. See, I'm beginning to get annoyed. Laura, it's the same obvious pattern. If McPherson weren't full of muscles and good looks, uh, in a cheap sort of way, you'd see through him in a second. Paul, I mean to be as kind about this as I know how. But you're the one following the same obvious pattern. First with that painter you thought was in love with me, then with Shelby, and now I suppose... Laura, what are you saying? That I don't think we should see each other again. But, darling, you're not yourself. Yes, I am. For the first time in ages, I know what I'm doing. Very well. I hope you'll... Never regret what promises to be a disgustingly earthy relationship. Oh, uh, listen to my broadcast in ten minutes. I'm discussing the other great loves of history. That was the most difficult thing I've had to do in my whole life. Yeah. Yeah, but I still haven't found it. I haven't found it. What? The gun that killed Diana Redmond. What are you doing? Taking a look at your clock. He's got one just like it, hasn't he? Yes, but... I wasn't alone just now in Lydecker's apartment. A guy named Sergeant Crane came with me. Crane's old man is a clockmaker. And while I wore myself out looking for a shotgun, all the sergeant did was drool about Lydecker's clock. He said probably there's not another one like it in the world. Obviously he was wrong. Yeah, and he showed me something about that clock. A little feature with all clocks made by Corbeck Thies. Underneath, here, near the floor, is a little spring. You push the spring and the whole bottom compartment opens up. See? Like this. But I never knew. In the old days... I guess people use the compartment for a kind of safe. Today, they use it for hiding other things. Shotguns, for instance. Yeah, this is it, Laura. I'm sure of it. And it was put here by the only man who knew about this clock, Paul Lidecker. Oh, no. Yeah. When the red friend girl opened the door, this hallway was dark. Lidecker saw a girl and assumed it was you. And he fired. He figured if he couldn't have you for himself, he was going to make sure no one else did. He heard Carpenter, so he hid behind the stairway outside in the corridor. Carpenter was scared to death, and he got out as fast as he could. Then Lydecker slipped back in and tucked the gun away in the grandfather clock. Oh, I felt it ever since I came back. I'm the one to blame. Not for anything I did, but for what I didn't do. I should have stopped seeing Paul long ago. But I couldn't. I owed too much to him. I can understand all that. But I can't understand why you tried so hard to protect Carpenter. I was frantic you to arrest him. I knew he wasn't guilty. But I knew Paul would do everything he could to incriminate him. It was his way of getting rid of Shelby, just as he got rid of every other man who might have meant something to me. For a charming, intelligent girl, you've certainly surrounded yourself with a remarkable collection of dopes. Now, look, don't touch anything. I'm leaving the gun and the clock. I'll have it picked up in the morning. You're going? Yeah, I'm picking up Lidecker. Mom. I've got to. You know that. Try and get some sleep, will you? Sleep? Well, maybe I can. I'll read a book, listen to the radio. Will you call me later? Sure. Try and forget all this. It's just a bad dream. Good night, Laura. Good night, Mark. Good night. And be careful, please.
now, ladies and gentlemen, with his final word for this evening, Mr. Paul Lidecker. As history has proved, love is eternal. The strongest motivation for men's actions throughout centuries. Love is stronger than life. It reaches beyond the dark shadows of death. May I remind you of some favorite lines of mine from Dowson's poem? They are not long, the weeping and the laughter and love and desire and hate. I think they have no portion in us after we pass the gate. They are not long, days, wine, and roses. Out of a misty dream, our path emerges for a while, then closes within a dream. That's the way it You've is, heard the isn't voice it, Laura? of Paul Lidecker by electrical transcription. This is the... There's the final irony to all of this, Laura. You know how I despise melodrama, and yet here I am, a gun in my hand, about to kill you. Oh, you've taken my life, isn't that enough? The best part of myself, that's what you are, Laura. Do you think I'm going to leave you to the vulgar poings of a second-rate policeman who thinks you're a dame? You'll find you, Paul, you know him. Willie, don't you overestimate the man who thought I left a few moments ago. And all I did was wait in the hall, Laura. And then I let myself in again with a key I've always had. I'm not going to lose you, Laura. Open the door. Don't move, Laura. He didn't leave. He's somewhere in this building. Laura, are you all right? He'll find us together, darling. As always we should have been. As always we will be. Turn your face, darling. Please, turn your face. I... Sorry, Miss Hunter, I had to do it. I better let the boss in before he busts down your door. Laura, Laura. It's, it's all right, Mark. Get him through the window, Lieutenant. It's on the fire escape. I'll call headquarters. Fine detective. A fine detective I am. Laura. Goodbye. Goodbye, my love. <laughs> it's all right, darling. It's all right. The bad dream is over. From 1945, this is the Lux Radio Theater presentation of Laura. Uh, original book by Vera Kaspari. The uh, film was directed by Otto Preminger originally. Uh, Jay Draftler did the screenplay. Samuel Hoffenstein also worked on the screenplay. And this is the uh, Lux Radio presentation of this very popular film. We had Jean Tierney reviving her role as Laura, as well as Dana Andrews and Vincent Price who were in the original movie. Uh, Clifton Webb had played uh, Otto Lidecker in the, or Waldo Lidecker in the uh, original movie, but uh, here it's uh, played by Otto Kruger. So uh, that was uh, Laura. One of the great uh, film noirs uh, by um, Otto Preminger. And this has been uh, Gremlin time here. Well, yeah, let's play the song. Um, so, uh, Laura was, uh, um, you know, written by, um, let's see, uh, David Raskin for the movie. And it became such a popular theme that uh, they got Johnny Mercer uh, to uh, write the lyric. And it became a very popular song. It's like a jazz standard. All sorts of artists have uh, recorded it. So, uh, I'm going to present now, we've got Frank Sinatra. This is from his album, Where Are You? Arranged by uh, Gordon Jenkins. Very nice, lush 
string arrangement from 1957. You know, back in those days, Sinatra, he would just like show up at the recording studio and they'd have everything ready for him. They wouldn't do too many rehearsals. He, Sinatra liked to just get it done in the first take. So he'd like storm in and they'd have it ready and he'd, he'd you know, work out the key changes and they kind of where to come in and everything. And then uh, and they'd record it. And then when it was done, he'd leave and they'd go off and make the record. <laughs> and so, um, so let's listen now to Frank Sinatra. Laura is the face in the misty light. Footsteps that you hear down the hall that floats on a summer night that you can never quite recall and you see Laura train that is passing through those eyes how familiar they seem she Fortunato, thanks for tuning us in to the uh, tuning in to the bedtime radio show for grown-ups, Gremlin Time. We'll be back again next month. Now, if you like what you're listening to here on KBU, go to kboo.fm/give and uh, help keep us uh, on the air. Stay tuned for self-help radio, and I'll be back again next month with more of the bedtime radio show for grown-ups, Gremlin Time. So, until next time, this is Fortunato saying, uh, "This is Fortunato." Thanks so long.
is KBOO Portland, volunteer-powered community radio. You're listening to the final days of KBOO's All Thrills, No Frills, Volume 2 special programming. You can hear the unique content produced by KBOO creators throughout February and March at kboo.fm slash thrills.